When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome to Hewitt Home, I'm Tracy Koga. It has been a very interesting year for women. Words like empowerment, patriarchy, breaking the glass ceiling, and so many more have come into play. So we want to share some special moments here on Hewitt Home. You're going to meet Angela Cassie and Tanya Lafreniere. They're two very bright women that are now each heading their own divisions at the National Gallery of Canada. But first, I sit down with the CEO for the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, Aisha Khan. Aisha took her position in August of 2020 and has never looked back. She is working very hard to make sure the museum remains a national treasure for everyone. Aisha, it is so good to see you again in person. This has been, I think, probably a year you'll never forget, but here we are sitting in the beautiful Canadian Museum for Human Rights. And I guess my first question is, let's talk about the journey that you have been on since August of 2020. Well, it's been a journey. It will continue to be a journey, but I have to say it's been pretty amazing. Um, I started in, in mid-August of last year at the museum. I came in at a difficult time. Uh, the whole world was reckoning with issues of racism, systemic discrimination, and then I had the very, I had the task of looking inwards at this organization that I was joining to see, you know, what were we going to do about it? Um, and it's been, you know, it's not something you take pleasure in saying it's been amazing, but it has been good learning for me. Um, it's been pretty inspiring to see people really committed to the issues um, mm -hmm. of human rights, of equity, which is exactly what I've seen, um, and learning to work together. And then there's all the fun stuff about being in a new workplace and getting to know people and finding people you trust and, and learning about all the amazing things that we're here to do. So um, it's going to be a journey, but I, I always expected it would be. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, creating you know, a world where we treat each other the way we want to be treated isn't something that happens overnight. Mm -hmm. I and mean, that's what this museum is dedicated to. And looking inwards and thinking about how we're going to model that within our workplace mm -hmm. for others is uh, it's tough work, but it's good. 
Yeah, so I know it is. And you know, there are other organizations that are doing the same thing. And it seems to be, uh, you know, more so in the museums and the art galleries where they're really, again, looking at themselves within. And because this is the Museum for Human Rights, what have you learned besides, you know, working with your staff and everything like that, but what have you learned personally being here and what is truly important to you now? So I've learned many things, um, but I think uh, one of the most important lessons I've had is that I used to do human rights seminars and presentations and talk to workplaces that were having these kinds of issues. Um, and now I have to kind of turn it on myself and do all the things that I would talk about doing, which is check your own bias, you know, step back and take a trauma-informed approach sometimes. People have their stories. They come to the table with all of their own experiences, which then influence how they work. Um, so it's been good learning for me. Um, mm -hmm. I feel a real spotlight uh, on the museum, but in some ways on me, and I think I've I've um, giving myself a bit of permission that I knew this, but I remind myself one person isn't going to, to change a workplace. One person isn't going to um, end racism. Are we going to end racism? I don't know, but we're going to work pretty hard towards it, right? Mm -hmm. And now you've got some new galleries open and there are people coming in and we did talk about this place is so cavernous. I mean, you could have 250 or 500 and it would still not be full. Um, the galleries that you brought in are so interesting and so timely. What was it in your mind to bring artism, artivism and the witness blanket at this particular time to the museum? I think um, if you look around, we're, we're at this point in time and maybe the pandemic creates a pause for us. Mm -hmm. Maybe it amplifies inequities. Well, I know that it amplifies inequities that are already there. But I think um, society as a whole is really thinking about who are we? Mm -hmm. um, where did we come from? How did we get here? And why do we still have these systemic issues that we do in terms of discrimination and racism and oppression? So those two exhibits, um, they're pretty beautiful because they're really pure. They're about the power of art. They're about how art can move people. But what underlies them are stories of genocide and of um, people whose rights have been infringed and struggle and, and harm. Um, but there's this positive thread throughout, which is that you can do something about it, right? So the stories in artivism, they show how people, they stood up in these um, very difficult situations of you know, mass atrocities and they stood up, you know, they found it within themselves. You look at the witness blanket, which tells the stories of Indian residential schools, and you know the the pieces, 800 pieces from across uh, that gathered from across the country from the sites of those schools and churches and, and government institutions. And what's the thread? I mean, the thread is resilience. Um, it's the power to move uh, move your own soul, but also someone else's. And I think at the end of the day, that's what underlies human rights, right? It's mm -hmm. it's that 
those things about us that are the core of who we are as humans. And it, it's been pretty exciting to, to bring them in now. And, and I know it, it's not ideal times. People will come when it's safe to do so. Um, and those that come, I know, feel safe. It's big and safe. Lots of things have been done to ensure that the exhibits themselves are um, were, were developed with safety in mind for the visitor. Um, but it's pretty incredible to see how people mm -hmm. react. Well, I, I think that is the main part, is that the museum creates emotions. And just thinking that here we are in Winnipeg, you're born and raised in Winnipeg. We have this national institution here. How can we get more people to understand? Because you had mentioned too, it's the stories that people tell and we all have a story. And yet, there's so much darkness out there. Um, how would, what, what would you say? I would to your say, neighbors? yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, um, when I think about this place, and I think what attracted me to want to come and work at the museum, it's I saw this really immense potential to move people. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean just make them sad, I mean make them do something. Um, and I think we all want that. Mm -hmm. You need to be touched in order to be inspired. Um, and so I never thought I'd work at a museum. Um, <laughs> But I do, and what I can see is it's the power of human rights education. It's mm -hmm. how we, and how do we educate? How do we ensure that we don't do the things that we've done mm -hmm. in the past? We do it by inspiring people to feel differently about other humans. Um, so so, so that's, that's what I see is probably the most powerful part of what we do here. And you do have a daughter, and in this day and age now, I mean, the power of, for women uh, to move forward, to dream, to be anything they want to be, and yet here we see so many oppressed all over the world. I, I'm, how would you explain it to your daughter, and, and what would be your wish for your daughter to move forward as you know, you pass on your torch of wisdom for human rights? So. And I actually have three daughters. Oh, okay. Yeah. I only saw um, one. Met yeah. one. <laughs> so um, I say that because they're all different and they receive the information in different ways. Um, but I would, you know, what I've always said is I want them to be confident. Mm -hmm. I want them to go out into the world and, you know, do feel that they can do anything that they want to do. What I realize as I, as I get older and through the work that I do is that confidence comes from that sense of worth that you have about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, that's the core of human rights, right? It's treating others with worth and dignity. And so when I, when I talk to them about, it's tough out there, you're young women, you're of color, you're women, you're, you know, you, you need to be able to love who you want to love, express yourself the way you wish, practice as you want. And I can say all those things to them and they, they get it, <laughs> they want those things. <laughs> I, I also want them prepared for what the world has in store for them. And it, it's, there's lots of good, mm -hmm. but there will be challenges. And the only way I think they'll get through them is that if we start to think differently. Um, but, you know, ultimately, they're the ones who give you hope, right? You hear yeah. them talk with their friends, you hear them, hear them analyze issues in a different way. 
And that's what makes me think, okay, we're, we're okay, we're getting somewhere. Oh, and that's, that's so important. And I guess moving on into the future, once we get over this pandemic, we can walk freely and enjoy the museum. What are your hopes and goals? I hope that this museum is a place in our community that people see themselves. I hope that it is uh, filled with people who come here to spend time, to learn. Um, I hope it's a community space because I think that when we bring people together, and not just because they came to see a specific exhibit, but because it's the kind of place that inspires them to think about, about rights, about other people, about how um, we want to, to live together, um, I think we'll have sort of done our job. And so I think we're well on our way. I know we have work to do, but I hope that's where I hope we get. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm certain we will. And I guess to end it, it might have been something that you said in an article, this is the Canadian Museum for human rights, not of human rights. Exactly. This is, this is, that, that is a very purposeful choice in the name. Um, and it is a place where people come to, to learn, but um, to take a stand, right? As you learn, you learn also how to take a stand for what you believe in. And um, there's a place for everyone here. This is a place for you to come. I know everyone's at a different place in that journey and some people aren't even ready to think about what is that journey. Um, but I know that when people come in their own way, they'll begin to move, move along the way. And, and that's all, I think that's all we want. Well, thank you so much, Aisha. We'll be all following you <laughs> <laughs> as we join the movement to make not only Winnipeg, but the whole world a better place. And we'll start right here with the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. Thank you so much. Thank you. want to give a warm and wonderful welcome to Angela and Tanya and we're going to hear more from these two incredible women that have I guess I want to say kind of dream jobs ladies because <laughs> these are brand new roles created I wouldn't I wouldn't well I'm going to say it just for you and but I mean <laughs> these roles have their incredible titles so I'm going to go first with Angela. Angela we know each other you know Winnipeg girls but boy oh boy so happy and proud for you. So first of all Angela please say your full and proper title with the National Gallery of Canada. 
Yes, well, thank you so much for this time today. And uh, yeah, I've been thrilled to start as the new Vice President of Strategic Transformation and Inclusion with the National Gallery of Canada. Oh, I, that we'll get into all of that because I have lots of questions. And Tanya, so good to see you and welcome to Hewitt Home. And your title, Tanya, is very interesting. Yes, yes, thank you very much. Um, at the gallery, uh, my role there is uh, Senior Vice President, People, Culture and Belonging. Oh, belonging. Oh, that's a big word. <laughs> that means so many things today. Um, so, okay, I'm going to go uh, open it up. Angela, give us a little background and how you managed to land this incredible job. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been very fortunate to have uh, encountered the CEO of the uh, National Gallery, uh, Dr. Sasha Suda, uh, over the last year. And uh, we've just had a number of conversations about the need for the cultural sector to evolve and change. Um, and it was, you know, kind of colleagues in the sector having conversations. And she was talking about how they were grappling with how to implement um, these changes within the institution. And they were looking for someone who had a cultural sector background uh, that had a background in justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion work. And so it started uh, a conversation. And what I was really excited about is that she recognized the importance of having this role uh, at the executive leadership table with a really clear mandate mm -hmm. and um, clear authority. And so worked uh, with Tanya, who was already uh, starting to do some work with the National Gallery to formalize that role. Um, and so, you know, it was something that kind of was born out of a lot of reflection and conversation, uh, but also recognized the significance of uh, having a role like that at, at the table. So was thrilled to be able to um, fill that seat. Wow. And for yourself, Tanya, your journey? Uh, my journey to here? Um was brought by a common friend, a mutual contact that uh, Dr. Uh, Sush, uh, Sasha Suda and I have in common, somebody I had worked with previously at the CBC. And uh, we got into, into contact, started talking about the challenges uh, organizationally and the change uh, and the new strategic plan that, that was being implemented. But there seemed to be um, a lot of uh, opportunity to bring uh, human resources, which is now people, culture, and belonging. We rebranded it uh, to a new level, uh, more at a, a strategic uh, business partner level, uh, operating at all all levels of the organization. So I was really pleased uh, to see this role uh, created um, and that it has a voice at the decision-making table as well. Uh, so I think this is going to be great. And along with Angela's role, I think uh, in partnership, we're going to be able to uh, to make great things happen this year, for sure. Well, it certainly is strange times. No one could ever, ever think that we would be doing meetings or virtual uh, <laughs> get-togethers like this, but it does draw people together. So, Angela, and then Antonia, please chime in on this. What kind of changes do you see that are, should be made right away, and what kind of, I guess, future do you both see that will be, you know, a brighter future for the National Gallery Canada? Yeah, well, I mean, the National Gallery has already um, started down a path where conversations about reconciliation was informing the work uh, that the, the organization was doing. 
Um, it's had a number of uh, Indigenous employees and curators. It has one of the largest collections of Indigenous contemporary art in mm -hmm. the world. Um, and so uh, the steps had begun to be uh, taken. Uh, but it's more than just the programming. And I think that's where that word collaboration that Tanya mentioned is really key. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about now taking that and looking at all of our policies, our programs, our informal and formal practices, and using an anti-racism, anti-oppression lens uh, to really create an institution inside and out mm -hmm. uh, where people feel empowered, uh, where people feel a sense of belonging, and where, uh, you know, an increasingly diverse staff contributes to the creativity and innovation of, of the National Gallery. So, uh, you know, our mandate is to look at all of those places and spaces. Um, that's a major change project. Uh, I think that's why Tanya and I are both uh, excited to be partners at that table because it does relate very closely to the people. So mm -hmm. we want to look at training and equipping people to be successful with this change and transition to learn and to understand issues related to anti-racism, anti-oppression, and then translate that into their day-to-day -day work and uh, also in what we present to the public. So it's, it's a huge uh, task. And what we're really trying to do with the strategic plan is provide that common sense of vision to our teams to be transparent to the public and really take the steps that we need for this uh, transformation. Uh, and, it, and I don't use that word lightly when I use transformation, <laughs> but it is all encompassing. And I think that's part of what's really excited exciting but it also is a, a huge and long path um, and it's about continuous learning so you know we, we're starting um, starting from a foundation of some early um, important efforts um, but it's about continuing to evolve the organization over time. Wow um, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm going well it's an art gallery but is it a museum <laughs> uh, so maybe you know Tanya too you can kind of you know, add into this, and, and Tanya too, it's culture, people, and belonging. So belonging, does that mean like Angela was sort of saying too, it's the culture and the people that work there, they belong, but it's also creating a sense of belonging too for me, the general public that come into the gallery too? Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's a sense of belonging where people feel secure Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and for employees internally to be feel supported and for our visitors to be able to see themselves represented in our collection. So I think overall at a high level, that's what we're trying to what we're trying to strive for mm -hmm. um, with people, culture and belonging internally. Uh, we're going to be building a lot of tools to support um, the strategic plan that Angela is going to be implementing across the organization. And some of those tools that we're going to be implementing is, you know, like true succession planning, um, revising our recruitment strategy with a justice, equity, diversity and inclusion lens, uh, ensuring that we've got training and development plans for uh, for individuals uh, that uh, that are going to be growing within the organization and just employees as a whole to make sure that mm. um, they're engaged. Uh, part of our mandate is to ensure an engaged um, and diverse uh, workforce within the organization and making sure that our retention is high and people want to stay 
Um, so that's that's something as well. And um, no organization is perfect, but making sure that we work through conflict respectfully and together, uh, making sure that we're giving leaders uh, at all levels of the organization tools on how to manage difficult situations, especially now, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that people uh, are feeling valued and supported and uh, are able to make mistakes uh, without uh, feeling fear, um, ensuring that people feel safe enough to be vulnerable um, and to give each other feedback and to grow together. So that's that's the ambiance that we're, we're mm-hmm. trying to create organizationally and I think with the with the uh, the appointment of Angela and I it's uh, it's it's definitely um, a strong demonstration of that commitment oh, and I totally agree with you when you talk about a safe place and now more than ever right it is totally in every conversation um, and you know and also to uh, diversity and the sense of belonging to is so important uh, question like to okay Angela uh, this might be, my, well, it is my kind of opinion or how mm-hmm. I perceive art galleries is mainly white, um, mm-hmm. mainly male, and usually old. <laughs> 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 and I hate to say that. Well, you know what? I don't. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, first impressions. Are, is this now the new? And are we going to see more Angela's and Tanya's around the, around the world? Yeah, um, well, you're not going to see any of my art on the walls, but I think <laughs> um, what we're trying to create is place and space on all of those levels. So I think, you know, the cultural sector has done a great job of bringing more um, female leadership into mm-hmm. spaces, um, yet a lot of those women continue to be from the dominant culture. So uh, it is white women. And that was an important step forward, but there's still more work to do mm-hmm. on an inclusive inclusivity um, standpoint. So when we're looking at the diversity within the teams, whether it be Indigenous, Black, or racialized communities, we are not um, strongly represented at all levels of the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of it is um, at junior, junior or entry-level positions. So uh, when Tanya is talking about training, recruitment, succession planning, um, and retention, mm-hmm. it's about um, creating that workplace where Um, individuals from different communities see the art gallery as a place for them that will um, respect and um, value the talent and the perspectives they bring at the table and that it's more than just a seat at the table it's a voice at that table and it's an ability to uh, contribute in a meaningful way to the work of the gallery Mm-hmm. But it's also looking at that collection. So I think, you know, if you're looking at um, the thousands of wonderful pieces of art uh, within uh, the gallery, and this is one of our activities right now, we generally know that it's largely white, male, and European, mm-hmm. um, but we don't have uh, numbers to support that. And what we want to be able to do is to diversify the collection and ensure that other voices are included uh, in, in, in the works of art uh, because we're preserving this for Canadians for generations mm-hmm. to come. And so it's a demonstration of our values. Um, and so, you know, when I say, well, do, do we have work from, from Black artists? We can't easily answer that question at this time. Um, and so part of what we're doing is 
how do we how are we collecting what are we collecting um and it's not to say that there's not a richness and in, in having like the rembrandts of the world kind of uh displayed but there are so many other names and so many other voices and so many other perspectives uh in in art and how we define beauty and how we define fine art um we need to challenge all of those constructs so that the gallery space is one uh that's more inclusive Wow, I mean, you're really opening up my eyes now to how to view an art gallery. Tanya, I'm going to talk a little bit about our art gallery here, The WAG, and, um, you know, director Stephen Boris has done an amazing job, and we're so excited to open Hama York, uh, which was formerly known as the Inuit Art Centre, and now, you know, they truly are trying to embrace uh, definitely the Inuit artists, but also all Indigenous artists, too, as well. Um, you know, a, a place like this is a place to educate people, to learn. How important is it, Tanya, to really kind of listen to other people's stories and not judge? I have a, a, a slogan from a dear friend, acceptance without understanding. How far away can we be from this? Because I am just, I would just like to see or view people as people, as a human being, as having a heart and everything like that. And I think that's very important and, and for like in society just in general. And if we're talking in the context of, you know, our workplace, uh, any workplace really, I think that's very important, that, that sense of belonging, uh, immersion, being supported. Uh, and I really do believe that the only way an organization can really achieve this is by making sure that you have the right leadership in place. Mm -hmm. Uh, without the right leadership um, and the right competencies at those levels, um, true uh, feedback and communication and change, um, keeping it respectful, um, will, will be hard mm -hmm. uh, if we're not ensuring that the right leadership is there to be able to lead the organization through turbulent times, reassure employees, making sure that they're included and respected and growing. Uh, it's a tall task, right? And yeah. leadership isn't as glamorous as people think it is. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're the first. You're the first to get the finger pointed at. No, I <laughs> exactly. So, and if it is easy, um, you might be missing something. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's often the case. And uh, and and that's that's I think what's happened here. Uh, our CEO. Uh, Dr. Sasha Suda has quickly realized that, that there was a strong need for change internally. And I think this is what you're seeing here uh, very much with uh, Angela and myself and the strategic roles that have been uh, adopted within the organization and given a, a very uh, important voice of influence and change. Um, yeah, so I, I really do believe that, you know, it starts with the leadership and um, often if there's toxicity within an organization or exclusion, um, mm. you, you can easily point it somewhere uh, in the senior levels where, uh, where culture ultimately begins. Well, and you know, women, we get it. We're so smart. We can see it right away. You know, it doesn't take five years or whatever to figure out. Uh, and speaking of women and like yourselves, um, Angela, role models. Well, we've seen it, you know, Kamala, you know, mm -hmm. her, her big job and, and now in the White House. Um, how important is it 
and I would think very important, but seeing yourselves as role models for women, younger women, um, maybe wanting to do a career like this. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I hear those words and I, I am humbled by them. You know, if, if people see me as a, a role model, I feel like I have so much to learn myself. Uh, but the reality is a lot of what I've been able to achieve in my career is because of um, other women who mm -hmm. um, had a motto of lifting while they climbed. Um, and I think that that's uh, really important. So to me, uh, I've benefited a lot from those who came before me. Uh, there are a lot of people who shattered ceilings. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, you know, my job is to kind of try to do the same and, and bring other people along um, this journey with me. So I think that's why I was very excited as well with um, Tanya's plans around succession to formalize it. Mm -hmm. I think you can be an informal mentor and that's really important, but to have a sponsor or a champion within organizations or within the sector uh, who can tell you there are interesting jobs out there in, yes. in the cultural sector. And, you know, I was joking with one of my cousins who's a, a young artist and, and I would say for myself as a child of immigrants, um, art wasn't necessarily one of those um, yes. fields. Um, that uh, we were exposed to. Uh, they're not systems that we were familiar with or knew how to navigate. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, part of it is, uh, you know, understanding, you know, I have a political science and communications background. Um, I'm not an art historian or I don't have a museum degree, but there are very, very interesting roles within uh, these organizations and they need, you know, human rights or, and human resource specialists. Mm -hmm. You know, they need people who have uh, equity and diversity as a background. Um, you know, you can have a, a, a different educational path and background and still have a really rich uh, career. So I think that's part of um, what's exciting when I speak to uh, younger women and encourage them um, in, in this field, uh, that you can have a, a rich and, and exciting career. Oh, well, hopefully, and I love it, Tanya, you, uh, to copy what uh, Angela said, the uh, succession and training, because again, yes, Angela pointed out that, you know, some people just weren't, those fields, the field of art just wasn't, you know, given to them. Um, but to create that opportunity is great. Tanya, words of wisdom from you. Words of wisdom. Um, you know, one, one thing that's really helped me a lot was to never shy away from feedback. Mm -hmm. and, and to never take it personally. Um, and this goes for both uh, men and women, um, more experienced and less experienced professionals, um, all walks of life. It's, it's often bitter. And it's really important to listen to where it's coming from, whom it's coming from, and why they're telling you. Um, and, and use your judgment, but not, not to shy away from it or, or, or to... Or to you know, avoid it. It's, it's just something that I think has helped me a long way. And I've been very lucky to have very honest people around me uh, that's helped shape my, my leadership style and, and my career going forward. That's often, often the, the one piece of advice that, um, that I, can, I can give to, to anyone that I'm mentoring is to embrace the feedback and grow from it. Oh. And that's sometimes so hard to do, but so, so true. I want to mm. thank you both, Angela and Tanya. We wish you all the best, and we can hardly wait. Maybe um, 
six months from now when you're, you know, flying back and forth, Angela, <laughs> to the, and uh, we can kind of catch up and, and see how things are going. I would love a virtual tour. I've never been to the National Gallery of Canada, so I'll put that on yeah. my bucket list. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, and I mean, you might be able to fly back and forth as well, so you'd always be welcome into the gallery. It, it feels like an imaginary world where you just go onto a plane and go somewhere now, I know. but it, yeah. it's coming, it's coming. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know what? Thank you so much, ladies, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you Thank for your you time. Again. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to Hugh at Home. It has been a terrible year for personal services. So on Hugh at Home, we decided to bring the salon to you. The great team at Verde have been doing some great hair segments on our show, so I'd like to revisit the one with senior stylist Colleen Lamarant as she shows us how to do those gorgeous Hollywood glam curls. Hi, I'm Colleen, the Education Director for the Verde Salon Group. Today I'm going to show you how to do a loose, beautiful Hollywood glam style wave using a flat iron. You can also use a curling iron or a wand, whatever you're most comfortable with. You'll curl all your hair one way and then brush it out revealing this beautiful soft curl. I hope you enjoy. So before I use any hot tools in my hair, I always use the Aveda Heat Relief. So it's a heat protector, protects your hair up to 450 degrees, and it's also a dry conditioning mist, and it has our shampoo aroma, which is just beautiful. So I mist it throughout all my hair, and then using the Aveda paddle brush, I'm gonna comb it through. So all of these Aveda products are available at verdesalon.ca right now. Um, we deliver over $50, or you can pick up at either one of our Bridgewater or um, Seasons locations. You can also pick up at the AAW school in the exchange. So let's put it into a few different sections. Usually I do two, well I should say three to four sections. You might do two to three sections. I have a lot of hair. So here we go. Section one. And I'm not getting too crazy because I am going to be brushing it out afterwards. So I'm starting keeping my um, curling iron vertical and I'm starting at the base, giving it one twist, holding the ends, and then pulling it all the way to the end. It's okay if you get a little extra hair caught in there. And letting it go. There's curl one. Don't brush it out before you go on to the next curl. Let it cool and then we'll brush it out afterwards. You can see my little pokies coming out from underneath, so I had an undercut for a while, it's growing back. So now I just have this cute little, it's not cute actually, I don't know what I call it. So again, this side I'm gonna be curling towards the face. Again, turn, and pull straight out. And let it stay.
Okay, so my hair looks a little crazy. It's kind of the moment of truth, but I'm gonna spray in a little bit more air control. I'm gonna spray in some of the Shampure Dry Shampoo, which is unbelievable. It's non-aerosol, which is my favorite, and also has a Shampure aroma. Tilt it upside down. everywhere and then I'm gonna scare some of you with this we're gonna comb through okay I'm gonna take some light elements texturizing cream it's great for all hair types it's really light helps either give like a piecey finish or like my ends are a little bit dry so I want to make them look um, nice and healthy so between my hands available on birchaccessories.ca. This is the Charlotte clip. Um, you can dress it up, dress it down, which is why I absolutely love it. It holds hair really well, whether you have fine hair or super thick hair. So I'm gonna clip this off here. So I think I'd like the thinner section, the finer section to go behind my ear. just gives like a nice little extra little bling um, and I'll also take some before and after pictures so you can see it from every angle thanks for watching We want to give a big thank you to all of our special guests on today's show and leave you with this question. What famous person would you like to meet and have a conversation with? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or you can message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehugh. But for now, stay safe and healthy and we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. This has been a production of iLikeHugh.com, podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, 
I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.